Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the 13th Man uh, Sports Live Show. It's Shane alongside Frankie. Thank you all for tuning out on Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. And don't worry, this will be posted onto YouTube after. Uh, it's an exciting episode. We got a uh, fan fan favorite and uh, you know fan friend of the the show. We got Derek Dennis joining us uh, to talk about week. What an exciting of a week two we had in the CFL. So we'll bring him on. How you doing today, uh, Derek? Oh, what's going on, fellas? Not much. We're just uh, kind of enjoying ourselves, uh, especially with week two now just in the books. Uh, you've had some. Fantastic takes, uh, incredible Twitter moments over the last couple of weeks. Um, first things first, uh, let's just get your impressions of the first two weeks of the season so far from the sidelines. Uh, yeah, I think the biggest takeaway from first two weeks of CFL season is uh, how slowly a lot of these offenses are starting out. Um, but I did predict that it was going to be the year of the defense, that defense were going to have big performances, especially from D linemen. Um, you see a lot of guys who are just because that side of the ball is kind of a little easier transition, especially with such a long layoff. And then the fact that if you look at a lot of these offensive lines across the league, they're, uh, they're not as strong as they used to be in the past. So um, <clears throat> still 12 games left to figure out what's going on on the offensive side of the ball. And, We'll see if the teams teams can figure it out. I mean, everybody's early predictions about who was going to be really good have not panned out at all. So um, it's a lot of parity in the league right now. I'm just excited to see how, how it plays out. Yeah, you and I were talking a little bit about uh, the offensive line play early in the season. And, uh, I mean, obviously it hasn't been great so far. Uh, but from somebody who's played the position who knows what, what is going on in the trenches – um, what is like? Why are the why is the offensive line play been as bad as it has been? Is it just the amount of guys that retired, or is there something more to it that maybe this can improve throughout the season? Are you talking about just Edmonton in general, or just everybody? Just the whole league in general. Um, I think it's just more of just the long layoff, man. It's um, certain guys' bodies are being put into something that they haven't been doing for a while, right? Football is one of those sports where you just can't show up and just think you're going to be good, even though you are a good player, right? It's, it's a, a sport that you really have to be really tuned into for um, a set amount of time. And I think the long training camps with no preseason games, um, training camps were a lot longer than what they normally were this year. And the fact that you didn't have any type of games to kind of get juices flowing and see how it feels. Man, um, guys are are you know the body the body gets older. I mean, just that's just natural. It comes with it. I mean, everybody tries to take care of the body the best way they can, but at the end of the day, you really can't predict how you're gonna feel with going from non-high intensity um, activity to just jumping right into it, right? And part that that I saw, especially from hearing what a lot of the football coaches were saying before the season started. It was like they just felt like they was going to be able to just pick up where they left off and kind of treat it the same when in actuality, you had to ease guys in. That's why you saw so many major injuries happening so quickly, so early, because they were just thinking it was, oh, guys have had two years of you know non-contact, their body should be ready to go. And in actuality, it's the complete opposite. Two years of non-contact, when you put yourself back into it or you put yourself back into, I mean, I don't care how hard you work out, it's very hard to replicate high-intensity activity. I don't care how hard you work out. I don't care how long you work out. Football is just one of those sports where it requires not just a physical 
aspect, but a mental aspect. I mean, I've always had coaches tell me, game of football is 90% mental, 10% physical. So I don't care how much in shape you are, mentally, if you're not re ready to get back into it, your body follows what the mind does. So it's, it's just naturally what's going to I kind of already saw what was going to happen. I was predicting it the whole time. And then exactly what I said was going to happen is exactly what happened. So the teams that were being smart and trying to take care of their guys, the teams that, um, well, I mean, Sash had to learn a lesson the hard way, right? They had to learn the day before camp opened up that, wow, we can't really push these guys too hard because they lost four key guys before they even got a chance to put the pads on, right? So, <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's a unique season. It's, it's very hard to predict who's going to do what. I mean, my prediction is whoever is the healthiest team and whoever's kind of trending upwards towards the end, how it always is, and whoever's healthiest is going to win the Grey Cup. It doesn't matter who's the favorite or who looks good on paper. At the end of the day, the healthiest team and the one who executes the best is going to win. And that's always how it's been in the game of football. Yeah. I mean, right now for me, I, I think my favorite to win the Grey Cup would be the Winnipeg Blue Bombers just because their offensive and defensive line are so so dominant. And as Derek, as you know very well, uh, the big boys up front on the offensive and defensive line are the guys that win you the football games nine times out of ten. Um, for sure. Do you think anybody else – can get up to that Winnipeg Blue Bombers level of the offensive line, assuming they can stay healthy? Montreal is my favorite to win it at all. I mean, I've been saying it from jump. Um, and they got a chance to kind of show people what they could do. But if you look at that roster, they have the most, some of the most veteran experience on their team outside of Winnipeg. Everybody else is, um, I mean, outside of Edmonton had a lot of vets, but they got rid of them, right? And they started to go with a bunch of rookies. And you saw what happened with that. Um, BC has some veterans, but again, they got a new coaching staff and a whole new scheme, right? So you got to teach, start from square one with guys, right? But I think I'm starting to see some progression from BC. You saw what it was week one. I mean, they almost pulled, they almost pulled off the comeback with, with an injured quarterback, right? That just shows you that team is the resilience they have and how good they could be, right? And then they went into the Calgary and they beat Calgary, right? They made enough plays to beat, beat the Stampeders. So <clears throat> I think BC is probably going to be a team that's going to have a good year this year trending. Because they got some veterans, they got some veterans in there that's going to be able to help right the ship. Uh, Montreal has probably has the most veteran team outside of Winnipeg, so I think with the offense that they have, um, I think if their defense finds a way to um, perform like they did week one, I mean we'll see how good their their the defensive line is once they get a chance to go against Winnipeg in, in week four, but um, or, or week five, whichever game that is. But I think. Um, I think Montreal's a team that's going to trend up, man. I, I like VA. I think he's definitely an MOP favorite for me. Um, I think right now the way it's looking, it's going to be between Zach Caleros and Vernon Adams, who's going to be the MOP of, of the 2021 20, season. So um, right now for me, Montreal is, is that's the team I would put my money on. And they've got uh, somebody that we've talked to in the past, too, with uh, Tony Washington. And as you said, that offensive line there is also really good, and I'm glad you pointed them out. Uh, but it feels like a lot of people are just – kind of pushing them and even Ottawa to some extent, although we know that, you know, those two teams, we obviously know at this point that Montreal is probably the better football team. Um, mm -hmm. But if a lot of people have kind of pushed Montreal to the side and said, Oh, you only played Edmonton. Let's wait and see what you like as a football well, yeah, player. You can only play who's in front of you. Right. 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 It's, it's still early. They had, they had to start the season with a bye. Um, which was was unique. I think that would kind of help them too because it gave them a chance to really see Edmonton on film and even prepare even better for them. And again, too, I think um, 
also with what they're what they're doing um with their team in a sense of I think bringing a guy like Mondo was big for him because that's a guy who's who's a veteran leader who's a guy who knows how to play the game he could bring guys up to speed and having a disruptor in the middle of your defense like that is always going to be beneficial regardless of whether he's putting up stats or not right um <clears throat> I think uh, with their offensive line they don't have any big names in a sense but they have guys who have who have CFL experience, right? And if you look at a lot of the interior across the league in the sense of offensive line, a lot of the interior guys um, don't have a lot of experience outside of maybe um, Ottawa, who has some, who has uh, Corte at center, but he hasn't played center when I don't think he's ever played center, right? So you got him playing a position, you got him playing out of position, that's a place that he has no type of familiarity, never been before. Um, I mean, he did pretty decent at left tackle. Uh, I mean, I granted this, I mean, he wasn't the best, but he, he did a good enough job to, excuse me, give the quarterback some time. But I think that's more of like a La Police thing. I think La Police wanted to go American offensive tackle because that's what he's used to having, right? He's had Stanley Bryant for a number of years. Um, so he probably was looking for some guy who could come in and kind of fill that that void, right? So um, to be honest, like, like I said, I think Montreal's team out the East, I think Hamilton should have been good, but their offensive line is just so so piss poor, man. Like I don't know what they're gonna do with that offensive line. Like they, they got a long way to go. Especially looking at um if you look at a lot of the 0 and two teams out of Calgary, um, Edmonton and <clears throat> Hamilton, I think Calgary's the best 0 and two team right now because if you look at the, the, the point difference and who lost, I mean Calgary lost the first game what by two points, and they lost the second game Three by points. six, right? Three points, right? Three points, and they lost the second game by six, right? And that's with Bo Levi throwing four picks, and you still only lost by six, right? So I think their defense is really good. They just got to get the offensive side right and make enough plays to play winning football, right? Um, I think that the returner that they showed in the second game, I think he showed enough to where they even cut the guy who started the first game to give him a shot, man. He had two good big returns, put the offense in good field position, and that's really all you ask for from your returner, right? So if um if I had to pick an OT team that could make a turnaround, it'd probably be Calgary. Um, just just because they just gotta see if they could get the get the young boys right. Um, but Hamilton is just like they don't think they only put up what twelve points in two games from a veteran team like that. I mean that's that's kind of hard to see the ship getting righted in a week, right? That's gonna take a while, and I think and it starts up front, right? I don't care who you put at quarterback, whether it's Dane or Masoli, that offensive line can't block anybody. They they're gonna look terrible. So. I mean, you saw it in the SAS game. Even though they put Dayton in thinking it was going to make a difference, he still was out there getting drilled, and he was throwing errant passes, and, you know, it was it, it didn't change. So uh, they got to do something to fix that offensive line. I mean, that's I think that's their biggest flaw that they got to fix. I mean, they got the weapons offensively, and they got a good defense. They just – they got to get that offensive line right. And if that – and honestly, that's what lost them the great cup. I mean, the offensive line didn't play well, didn't yeah. perform. That's why they let Riker Matthews go. That's why, you know, they – want to make changes because they needed to get that offensive line right, but apparently the changes they made just made them worse. So, um, I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, uh, we'll see. I, I mean, it's a, it's up for grabs. Things can change from week to week. I think Toronto has some promise. I mean, their offensive line is a little spotty. I mean, they did a good week one. Week two, they got exposed. And Winnipeg is going to be the that's, the, that's the road to the Grey Cup right now in my mind. So, if you can't perform well against them, then, I mean, there's no need to have any type of championship hopes because that's the team that's going to you're going to be able to kind of measure yourself against. On the Hamilton front, you stole the words straight out of my mouth. The the biggest concern for me isn't the fact that they've scored 12 for 14 points, whatever it is. 
It's not that Mazzoli hasn't looked great or that Dane Evans didn't come in and fix the problems. It's the fact that their offensive line is atrocious. Um, that's not something that's easy to fix in the middle of the season. I, I don't know where you find offensive linemen in the middle of the season. That's the problem that Toronto's had. That's the problem Edmonton's had. That's the problem that uh, I think I may have already said Ottawa, but Hamilton's having it now. Like I just don't know where you find these guys, especially when so many retired at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I think I think it's just more of um, with those pay cuts and you know rookie salaries going up. I think now it's just I think it's going to create a lot of roster issues for a lot of teams, right? And now when you start to prioritize certain positions over others, um, it makes it <laughs> it makes it really tough um, to to be able to you know do to do the things you need to do as a team, right? And you know games are won or lost in the trenches. Honestly, if you don't have a good D line, you don't have a good O line. And that's going to be kind of hard to – I don't care how good your receivers are how good your quarterback is. They can't do anything without those guys. It's just a simple fact, and you're seeing that in the first two weeks. So, um, always – if you look at any team in pro – especially pro football, teams are, are, are built in the trenches. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's real funny how over the last, like, three, four years, we're actually, people are starting to realize that, like, you can have a star quarterback, you can have star receivers – if your O line is is garbage or your D line's garbage, you're not going to be doing anything. You're not even going to get anywhere near where you want to go. Um, but Ottawa gave up five sacks in Week One. Everyone Hamilton gave up uh, Hamilton gave up six. Yeah, in Week Two. Yeah, and it's just seeing where the pressure is coming from. The interior line and watching these teams, you would think that coaches would kind of fix their their schemes a little to help their O-line, but we're not seeing it. It's a lot of just one-on-ones, and then these O-lines just getting outmanned and outmuscled. And when you can get pressure off a simple bull rush on a three-man rush, your defense is going to la- is laughing all the way all game. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, that's, that's really it, man. I mean, I mean, I mean that's that's a part of the reason why I started my show and why I wanted to talk about it is because you know, I want to kind of highlight guys and give them their just do. I mean, it's getting really tough to do that right now. The first two weeks, man, it's like I wanted to be able to point guys out, and, and I'm sure there are some guys in there. Um, if I get a chance to kind of really dive into some film, I can probably see some guys that are probably still showing well, right? But offensive line is one of those spots where three guys could be playing good, but if two are playing bad or, you know, two guys could be playing good if three are playing bad, it makes the whole unit look bad. It doesn't matter how well you're playing, right? So you're really not going to get any recognition if the entire unit is not playing well. And right now, I mean, the team that got the strongest trenches is, is Winnipeg. They got the best whole line. They got the best D line right now. And that's on paper and, and statistically. So, um, I, <clears throat> like I said, the only, per, only team I kind of see challenging them in that sense is Montreal. I mean, I think Calgary turning around. Um, BC is they, – they're looking like they're getting better. Offensive line is still a little um, still a little shaky to me. But I think they cleaned up, you know, some of the issues. And we, too, I think having Mike Riley back there just yeah. creates a different dynamic than oh, yeah. it did week one when they had Nathan Rourke, right? So um, if, if Mike can stay healthy enough, man, I mean, BC is looking like they, they're going to they're gonna push for a great um, – possibly or at least push to finish tops in the West right now. Um, I, I don't, I don't really see, um, anything outside of that. Right. So it's either going to be between, I mean, you would say the top three teams, top four teams is Winnipeg, um, just off of two weeks though. I mean, you never know anything could change, but just off of two weeks, Winnipeg, uh, BC, Montreal, 
And I would say, I mean, I guess I give it to Ottawa because they say they ain't lose yet. So. <laughs> Saskatchewan fans aren't going to like you for saying yeah, that, Derek. Oh, been, I'm sorry. You know, been... I, you know what? Sass is. I know how. I know how passionate those fans are. Sass is definitely yes. a great cup favorite. Let me let me not forget about them. They are definitely a great cup favorite. Yeah. We put them number two in our power rankings, and they were still pissed off at us. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, they uh, they they believe they're the best. And, hey, I mean, they might be by the end of the season. But um, one thing I do want to get to, uh, you had some stuff to say about uh, Trevor Harris last week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he hasn't – he got to the end zone once. It was late in the game. I mean, it was a pretty easy touchdown. Montreal was kind of giving him that one. Um, I, I just want you to give us your thoughts on him. And, and how he's played so far this season? Uh, one word. Terrible. I mean, if you can't – I don't care how good your offense is, man. If you can't put up points, I mean, that's 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 the game right there, right? What, what can you possibly do? So, um, and his his stats, his stats, you know, they look good. But it don't, doesn't tell the full story, right? I think I had this discussion today with, you know, kind of just – bantering people with who's the best CFL player, right? And everybody says Doug Flutie. And I'm like, well, if you look at Doug Flutie, I mean, his stats are, I mean, I don't know. It, to me, it's like it, you can throw for 6,700 yards, right? But did you win a great cup? Like, that's that sounds like a guy who's dominating, right? But at the end result, if you're dominating, you should be winning games. You should be winning, you know, at least get to the most important game or, you know, whatever it may be. And I know a lot of knock on Flutie during his CFL career was he couldn't play in cold weather games. He always he always performed badly when the, when the biggest games on the line it was cold, right? So it's like <clears throat> Trevor's kind of got that that same that same moniker right now. Like people, he he's a he's a good quarterback, but he's not great. He's not a he's not a echelon guy. He's not a guy that you can say like, hey, this guy's gonna take us to to the promised land. I mean, you look back at 2016 when, you know, Henry Burris had to go on his rant on TSN because he was tired of people challenging him for being who he was and what he could do. And honestly, if it wasn't for Hank, I don't think Ottawa, that Ottawa team beats us in 2016 in a great cup. I think if Trevor yeah. played, we won that game easily. Um, it happened in 2018. I mean, that was – that was granted, the field, yeah, the conditions was bad, but everybody had to play on that, right? I mean, he still was out there – you know, moving the field and throwing picks and throwing, you know what I'm saying? Like it was, it was turnover city, right? It was, it was a, it was an easy game. Like I remember we was in the third quarter and we was laughing, like, where are we going tonight to celebrate this win? Like we <laughs> wasn't even worried about it. Like, so um, I think it's just, it's just, I mean, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I, I mean, granted, I, I probably, some of what I said had to deal with some internal stuff that you know, I heard he was saying about me, about not wanting to come up to play, right? And my thing was, you were texting me the whole offseason acting like you were so excited to have me. Like, if you had a problem with my decision not to come play, why wouldn't you not text me? Why would you call another dude on the team and, and talk bad about me, right, before you even really know me? So that's what part of my thing is, like, I hate when people talk about me like they're, you know, and, and I've heard from a lot of guys through the league that he has this air of arrogance to him about him being, a, you know, a upper echelon player, right? And he doesn't act like that in the media, but behind closed doors, that's who he is, right? So my thing is, if you're going to be that guy, then you can't come out here and have, you know, bad performances, bro. It's just as simple as that. And not even not even just saying, all right, you had a bad game. You played horrible. Like, that was – that game against Montreal was bad. And and, and the, think about it. Think about the coach, his own head coach was saying in the media. It was like a, once the first drive stalled out and they had to kick a field goal, he goes, oh, here we go again. 
why is your head coach saying that? Like, you got to read between the lines. Why would your head coach in the media go, you stall out on the first drive and you go, here we go again? Derek, I know exactly why he said that. It's because that goes back to the Ottawa days. And even in that 2018 Grey Cup, when they stalled out on that first drive and went two and out, that's the exact same thing that every single Red Blacks fan said as well. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I, I don't want to seem like I'm like, because I know people want to make it seem like, oh, he's salty, he's bitter, oh, you just, you know, everybody's like, oh, you didn't honor your contract, da, 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 da. like, come on, bro. You got to call a spade a spade sometimes, right? And players know better than anybody. I mean, it's just, it's, it's not funny that you're saying this because I know uh, 2018, uh, Pruneau said basically the same thing about how Trevor Harris would point fingers at everyone else but himself. And people got I think Henry Burris said something too about him yeah. not being a great leader. Yeah, and it's just people kind of brushed it under the rug as like, oh, you know, you, you probably just didn't get along with him. But now the fact that he's in Edmonton and the same stuff is popping up kind of tells you exactly what you need to know about the guy. Yeah, man. I, that, I mean, for me, the, part, the point in the game when Wakefield – Went to went to tackle him and grabbed his face mask and didn't just pull him down by it, but he yanked it off of his head. And then, dude, he looked around like he thought somebody was going to come after him, and nobody did nothing. Yeah, yeah, I know. Nobody yeah, helped him up. It was like one dude realized, like, oh damn, let me go help him up. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, like it wasn't no type of like I've been in games before where dudes have like hit hit Bolivar weird, even if it was by accident. I'm gonna go check him, like, bro. Don't do that again, or I'm going to make sure you leave this game feeling something, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, something. Don't touch my quarterback, bro. That's as simple as that. Like, even if I don't like you, I, I play with quarterbacks before I don't like. No, you're not going to touch my quarterback and think you're going to hit him or do whatever. Because, again, too, I know the mental aspect of the game, right? When quarterbacks start to get hit like that, then that makes them question, you know, themselves. That makes them question their ability. That makes them question how they flow in the offense, right? And if you want, if you're a team that's looking to win championships, like you gotta set the tone, right? You want a quarterback to have confidence in his offense and the people around him. Like, how do you expect him to perform well? I mean, I seen I seen you tweeted, Frankie. You said all this bad press he's getting this week from playing bad is probably gonna is gonna make himself implode, bro. And that's like. It's like, like the quarterback in, in the movie The Draft, right? When all, all of a sudden the bad news started getting out there and he started imploding and he was like, oh, well, you know, why is he not going number one? Why is nobody taking him, right? You know what I'm saying? Like now it's starting to make sense. Why did Ottawa let him walk? Why didn't they want to pay him? <laughs> Clearly they knew something that nobody else was paying attention to. On the same point of, you know, all the negative attention that he's going to get this week, I think this is really the turning point for Trevor Harris. Uh, he's either going to turn for the worst here, or he's going to maybe figure his way out of this. How do you see this going? I mean, it could go either way. I mean, I mean, he should have a good performance. I mean, I think right now he's just not trusting the players around him, right? I don't think he's trusting anybody. He's barely targeting Greg Ellingson. Um, he's barely targeting Darrell Walker. I mean, you got all these talented players around you. It's not like he doesn't have weapons to perform, right? So now the question becomes – well, it's not a lack of talent around you. Well, then what is what is the issue? Is it scheme? Is it coaching? Is it, you know, what is it? I mean, I granted, I know a lot of that stuff goes into effect, but, you know, the way they talked about how him and him and Elizondo had a great working relationship now, well, you know, 
you would think something like that chemistry and history like that would show up pretty early it was like never that not. great though. <laughs> i mean I, that's what i'm saying i don't i was never i was never like i never really played close attention to ottawa previously i knew they were a good team they were always in in the cup i mean honestly my opinion every time i watched them on film i didn't think they were a great team and i remember talking to you know defenses in calgary and they would be like bro these dudes are you know what I'm saying? Maybe that was, but we always was in close games with them. So I don't know if it was more of a, a, a underestimated thing and let them stick around. But I know, I mean, I mean, granted, <laughs> I mean, I honestly, I mean, to be honest, I don't know. I mean, I'm just the feel of it. Just it just didn't just didn't feel right. Didn't look right. Doesn't look right. Doesn't feel right. And it's kind of hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel, right? So there's a lot of there's a lot of previous Ottawa connections over there that. Granted, they were going to, you know, championships. It's like, uh, I mean, I mean, just, I don't know, man. I, I guess there's a reason why why Marcel was letting certain guys walk and bringing certain guys back. I mean, granted, it didn't work out well for them neither, but at least I think now they're starting to show a little promise in the sense of, you know, they got a coach with a little more um, innovation in his offense to kind of put certain guys in better position. So, I mean, what? I mean, I mean, we'll see. I mean, they, they yeah. should. They should. It should get better. Who knows, man? Who knows? Right now, it's not looking good. So, just leave it at that. The thing with those Edmonton guys too, and this goes back to the days in Ottawa. Trevor Harris between the twenty-yard lines is probably one of the best quarterbacks in the league, in my opinion. Uh, he leads the league in passing yards consistently. He's not a bad quarterback, but I don't know what it is about the twenty-yard line where it almost feels like he just starts seeing red, and he just he can't stay calm in the in the scoring zone and and things just go wrong. That's been something that he's dealt with since he became the starter in Ottawa. And I, at this point, I really don't know if there's some, something they can do to fix that for him. Um, but I think that the Edmonton can't be that bad. There's just no way they can be that bad. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, to be honest, I don't know, man. I mean, from from what I'm hearing, who knows, man? I don't know. Oh no, man! That sounds like some a lot of off the record stuff right there. I'm 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 gonna leave it at that, man. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're Edmonton and you fall out this year after expecting to you know deep playoff run, whatever, you either cut Harris or you keep him as a backup. There's no way if they struggle this year that they can keep Harris as a starter next year. They have to at least bring someone in to to compete for that starting role. I mean, I, I thought that I thought the kid that that was supposed to be the back out, uh, what's his name, Trey Williams. I thought he was showing really well, but I mean, from what from what, how it transpired, the media made it seem like he was going to be the backup, and then all of a sudden he goes to being the COVID quarterback to being cut. I don't know. Maybe he was performing too well that it they, it couldn't justify you know not playing Harris. You know what I'm saying? Like it could be one of those situations. You never know. They didn't want to put him in a situation where he was playing bad and people were saying, "Hey, put the backup in," especially after the media was was telling him to be so good, right? Um, yeah, it's like it's like maybe they wanted to avoid a, a quarterback controversy for the because they they know man it's it's a it's a mental thing for him. You know, some 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 quarterbacks are really good physically, but. I mean, to play that position, man, everything has to be right up here, right? And if mentally you're not right up there, and if things could rattle you, like, pretty easily, like, just watching him take sacks. Like, he don't throw the ball away or nothing. He, like, takes the ball and he cowers up, right? And then I seen that thing where, you know, somebody was like, line, he said Lyman was coming up to him and saying, hey, at least Mondo know you could take a hit. <laughs> what? Like, what? Like, like, bro, what are you doing? Like, you play the game to win. 
You don't play the game to show people you're tough. You play the game to win. So as a quarterback, if you're not making winning decisions, I don't care how tough you are. You got to make winning decisions, man. I mean, that's the difference between him and him and Mike Riley, right? Mike Riley's tough, tough as nails, but he's tough to the point where his decisions put his team in a position to win. They don't put his team in a position to not win. And that's, you know, that's that's one of the biggest things I noticed too. When Michael Riley came in for the BC Lions, it didn't matter that his elbow was akin to a, you know, wet spaghetti noodle. Like his calm presence turned the BC Lions into a different football team. And then when Nathan Rourke did come back in, he was comfortable and he was able and the game was slowed down for him. When Trevor Harris is back there, I just I don't know what it is. He just doesn't have the head on his shoulders right now to be able to go out and win a big game and play consistently at a high level. I mean, I mean, that's that's I mean, you can clearly see the difference, right? BC receivers know Michael was my, my apologies previously. Michael was throwing bad throws, right? But they were going to get the ball for him, right? They wasn't going to let him look bad. I don't see that in in Edmonton, right? Even if Trevor is throwing good balls, the receivers they're not going to get it, or you know they're they're looking for you know basket drops in their hand, right? You know what I'm saying? You don't see guys going to get the ball, right? And you got receivers who are they're not great. Not great uh yak receivers, right? They're not they're not yards after the catch guys. Those are guys that they're they're go routes, they're put it in their hand and let them run run straight, right? It's not guys who you're gonna be able to throw, you know, underneath routes to and be able to make shake some guys loose and go make some plays, right? Those are not the type of receivers they have. That's just that's just you know, Darrell Walker is a deep threat. Greg Ellingson is a deep threat. And right now, if you got an offensive line who's not giving you the time to get the ball deep, then you're pretty much negating those guys. So, yeah. and that's what you've seen in the first two weeks. Those two receivers who were supposed to be, is supposed to be one of the best duos in the league are barely getting any targets, right? Because Trevor's just not having any time to get the ball down the field. He's not reading the field properly. Um, they're not using other protections to at least give him some time to get the ball down the field. Like if you got two guys that can stretch a defense, hey, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going uh, Haas Bomber protections, right? I'm bringing, I'm bringing in one of the slot receivers and letting them, you know, chip, running back chip. you got a seven, eight-man protection, all right, well, then let them go and just throw it deep if that's the strength of your defense, right? So, I mean, um, your offense. So, <laughs> I mean, you got a good, you got a good running game. You got a good running game right now. James is doing pretty well. He's he's giving them good, good production from the running back position. It's just for some reason we're in a passing league, right? It doesn't matter how good your running game is. You're not going to win games like that up here. I don't want to keep you too much longer, Derek. We said we'd only keep you for 15, 20 minutes, and it's been double that now. But uh, one last question for you. Um, uh, To me, I feel like Edmonton's run blocking has been okay, um, and their pass blocking just hasn't been. What what is the main difference that might make that the case for them? Probably probably rules. I think it's it's a little something similar to what I dealt with in SAS in 17 was that our offense didn't have any real, um, like, rules or base concepts to fall back on in situations of adversity, right? So, um, prime example, in Calgary, um, I remember we were playing Winnipeg in 2019, right? And they gave us a look that we didn't practice all week. So, actually, some guys would get rattled and go, oh, man, like, you know, we didn't practice this all week. What do I do, right? Me, I'm the type of guy who would go, okay, what's my, base, what's my basic rules? I'm just going to do that. 
and let the play materialize, right? And then when I did that, we was able to score a touchdown, right? That's stuff that I feel like I don't think you see that right now. I think the communication is lacking. I think there's no cohesiveness with the unit because there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of injuries, a lot of guys not showing up. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those things where I think they got to figure out some type of base concepts, basic knowledge, and then they got to find ways to protect the quarterback, man, and give him a chance to use those deep threats. I think if they figure that out, and they could turn, they could turn some things around. They can make some plays right now. But when when you relying on your kicker to put points on the board, man, it's just not a recipe for success. So um, I think to help them out, their offense to help them out is look to add some some hard, some bomber pros, um, where you're getting seven, eight man pros. Maybe you know get you another fullback tight end that could get a tight tight end type that could get in there. Maybe do some double tight end sets or some some big some big body sets so you could do a little more play action and run out of. Um, and give the guys up front a chance to um, be a little more productive, right? Because I don't think right now they have the linemen to do drop back passes. They don't have the guys that you can you you can block. Five. You see blitzes getting home because people are rushing seven, and they're not. You know what I'm saying? You can see the running backs confused on who he needs to pick up, and line is not communicating to see you know defensive shifts or you know safety linemen. Is he on the hash? You know all that type of stuff that goes into being productive on game day. So. I think right now they just they got to figure it out, man. They got to figure out a game plan so give them more time to stretch the defense and give those deep threats so they got a chance to go do what they do best. And their defense has got to figure out how to keep people from scoring on them. Well, Derek, we appreciate you coming on. You're basically our third host at this point. You've been on so many times. Um, I want to give you a minute to uh, shout out your, uh, your new project in the trap. And, uh, yeah, the floor is yours for that. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. I got, I got a new pod going with my boy, Brendan Labatt, called The Trap, basically focusing on trench play and talking about um, offensive line plays. Uh, you know, started with the CFL, the season started early. Um, we might try to, you know, uh, it's really going to get into kind of basic concepts of offensive line play, talking about techniques, best practices that we've used in our past that has helped us be productive. Um, I play for a lot of great offensive line coaches in the game of football, um, especially in the NFL. I play for a lot of, you know, online gurus. Um, B is played for, you know, some some offensive line gurus like, you know, Bob Wiley right there, who's, who's a really well-respected offensive line coach. Um, so we just want to, you know, we feel like both of us feel like we've been around a lot. we got a lot of knowledge, and we want to find a way to just give it back, you know, in a sense. Give it away to people who want to use it, who want to hear about it, highlight some guys who are doing well, talk about, you know, now we're getting into NFL season, NCAA starting up soon. So it's going to be a lot of, you know, offensive linemen to look at and pick at and talk about. And, you know, I get I get hit up all the time from a lot of, you know, up and coming offensive linemen trying to trying to break out in the game and guys who, you know, have a lot of respect for what I've done and always asking me, you know, how to do this, you know, how do I do this, how do I get better? Well, that's why I created the trap, man. It's my way of just giving it, giving it out there for everybody to get to it. Yeah, definitely check that out. Uh, again, we really appreciate you coming on. And, uh, yeah, free bone crusher. <laughs> yeah, man, we'll see. We'll see how things go, man. Who knows? If things keep looking bad, maybe I might have to pull up, man, try to help out for a couple <laughs> games, even if they don't like me. <laughs> We'd love to see it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, any anytime Derek Dennis gets on the football field again, we'll be big fans. Yeah, for sure, man. I appreciate y'all boys, man. Y'all keep doing your thing, man. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on, Derek. It's always great talking. Sweet. Well, that was all. It's always fun when we have Dennis on. It's always great.
Yeah. Well, when I saw his tweet uh, during the Edmonton game, I knew we had to talk to him. Yeah. That was that was like you know you know it's, we, it's he, been a while he, since we talked to Derek, and he's clearly got some stuff to say. So why not bring him he, on and uh, have him say it? If he's gonna come back though, I hope he comes back before Week Nine. Just yeah. want to see him in Ottawa. I have his jersey. I need him to sign it. Uh, so. Hey, there's a I don't know. There, there's different rules for vaccinated players now. So if he is, we'll yeah. take you to dinner, Derek. Pay for your dinner. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get together and uh, got a couple of things that I need you to sign because I'd be. <laughs> nice. um, but yeah, so we have we about twenty minutes left. Um, oh man, uh, we have CBL playoffs that uh, just wrapped up. Their their Carter finals just wrapped up. The Ottawa Blackjacks and. The oh god, I can't it's Guelph or it's Fraser Valley beat Fraser Valley beat Guelph, um, in the quarterfinals to head on to the finals in Edmonton. Uh, I believe Ottawa is playing the Edmonton, the Stingers, and Guelph is playing Niagara, aren't they? Yes, uh, sorry, Fraser Valley is playing Niagara. Fraser Valley is playing Niagara, Ottawa is playing Edmonton. In Edmonton, they have a championship weekend, uh, they have the two semifinal games and then the final game. It'd be awesome to see Ottawa win. Uh, I highly doubt it. I'm not holding my breath. You know, they did. They have beaten Edmonton once, but I, I, I think a lot of that came down to the fact that Xavier Moon fouled out late in the game. Yeah. Um, you know, but I didn't really expect them to beat Hamilton either. You know, Lindell Wigington has been fantastic all year, but Man, the Blackjacks, yes. But, I mean, you, you need a bit of that, you know? Yeah, I mean, um, you need a little bit of luck to, to go a long way. Yeah, and the Blackjacks have been getting better all season. I don't think they're going to win it. Um necessarily but i think that they're i I think they stand a chance against edmonton i don't think it'll be a blowout by any means i don't think so either um i yeah and i mean great interview by frankie because whenever we have people on frankie just takes over and i'm just like hey whatever like it's It's the inner journalism in me i have to keep asking questions yeah i mean hey it is what it is like guys do do what you got to do i don't mind um but the other big news in the cbl is that they're officially going to eight teams. They are expected to go to nine later this year, uh, possibly for 2023. But we have the uh, new team come out today. Uh, another Scarborough Ontario. Shooting Stars, I believe yep. the name is, right? Yep. Uh, starting the Scarborough Shooting Stars, so that will be the fourth team in Ontario joining Ottawa, Hamilton. Oh, 15. Yeah. Well, in Niagara. Um, and then we do have the Montreal team. Um, it should be coming soon. I, I think I saw it today that that is still happening. It is, um, yeah. Is that happening for – I don't know if it's happening for next season or not, though. I'm not sure. Um, it's going to be interesting. The, yeah, that was a plan at least, but I haven't seen anything that – because they did call Scarborough the, the eighth team. Yeah. That, the eighth team was supposed to be Montreal, so I'm, I'm kind of skeptical that they're coming in in 22. Yeah, I uh, wouldn't just, be surprised if it's 23. Yeah. We don't know that yet. We're still kind of waiting for news on that. Yeah. But you I know mean, what? They, like, they were supposed to release it. Like, they were supposed to release names this fall. Yeah. So but, maybe, maybe it does happen. We'll, we'll see. I do appreciate, though, with the Scarborough logo. They've come out with that already. Yeah. It's a very different art style from what we've seen already. And I think – it's the first team that doesn't have an animal in the logo, too. Unless I'm. Nuts. No, yeah, you're right. No, you're right. Yeah, you got the blackjacks, the the the, the which is a rabbit. 
Yeah, you have the the Lions, you have the Guelph Nighthawks, Hamilton Honey Badgers, Fraser Valley Bears. Bandits, which I think is some kind of fox. I, I don't fox. know. It's I don't fox. know how a fox relates to a bandit because I think that would be more of a raccoon. Well, no, because foxes steal things, right? Like so do raccoon, but like I don't, I, I don't know. I'm like it's just <laughs> I don't know because what most know. people think of like an animal that like steals. Like I think actually, of a raccoon because it has like the yeah. little. Yeah, no, I know. Most people think of mask on already, you know. Um, and then you have the stingers, who obviously are are hornets or wasps or um, bees. I don't know. I don't. It looks bees, like it. It looks like like a, a hornet to me more than it anything. It looks like a hornet. So yeah, I think it's the only one that's not an animal. Which I mean, that's great. Yeah, but you know what? It's it's been fantastic for the CEBL because uh, they played one season at six teams, then they went to seven with Ottawa. Uh, yeah, and then geez. expansion stalled for a year because of the pandemic. COVID. Yeah, but now you've got two more. Yeah, you're going to get up to nine. You're expected to go to ten by the end of twenty, like heading into the twenty twenty four. Yeah, because it sounds like Calgary is is the next team outside of Montreal. And then you start to think about cities that also have like junior hockey teams because those are the markets you're trying to get to. And you start thinking about like Halifax, London, Ontario. I think will be a fantastic one. Brampton will be a good one. Anywhere that you kind of have like the little Raptors communities, I think would yeah, be fantastic. I mean, you could you could start seeing it kind of build out like the CHO, where it's going to get to the point where the CEBL is one giant league. I, I think I think this league has a legitimate chance to get to twenty teams relatively quickly now. Oh, 100%, because it's not overly expensive. You're not coming back and making a lot of money as a CEBL player. No, You're, it just gives you an opportunity to play in Canada during the summer and kind of work your way up. Like, yeah. to be fair, mo like the season would be like, would have wrapped up this weekend or the, the seventh to the eighth is usually wraps up by the first weekend of August kind of matches up with the uh, summer, the summer league for the, the NBA, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next like three, four years. Yeah. Just like, cities like, uh, you know, you, you think about Victoria, you think about Regina, Saskatoon, like just there's a bunch of like small communities that could that are great homes to to CHL teams that don't necessarily have anything else going on in the summer. You know, there there are CFL cities out there, but that's once a week at most, right? Yeah. Do people make the drive to go out to a Reg a basketball game in Regina? Probably not in the massive droves that you'd see for a Rough Riders game, but I feel like you get 2 3,000 people there a night. That's good enough. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, especially if you go out east, like you can put out east, especially with how, with the marketability, because there is a lot of you sports players. Yes. In in there, and you're yeah. you're gonna you'll see a lot of that, especially out west, out east, where you sports is huge for a lot of these communities. So, being able to see their you sports players at a pro level, you'll bring in a lot of a lot of traction. Yeah. And it's, it's good basketball, too. I mean, like, if, if you haven't watched the CEBL this season, I encourage you to to watch the championship weekend that's coming up soon. Um, there's only three games left here, I believe, is because I think it's just single-game eliminations, right? Yeah. So, so it's the two semis and then the final. Yeah. it's The Elam end is, ending is exciting, even though the basketball traditionalists aren't going to like it. Um, but games are close. They're, they're fast-paced. I mean – you know, I've only been to one basketball game before I went to a Blackjacks game, and it was uh, the Raptors and the Brooklyn Nets in Brooklyn. But 
I don't think the basketball necessarily needs to be, you know, LeBron James up against Kevin Durant to be entertaining. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a lot of good U sports athletes here. It's not like these guys can't dunk and can't shoot. You know, <laughs> these guys can dunk. These guys can shoot. We've seen videos before of dudes pulling up from basically half court and hitting it. Xavier Moon is an animal. He's a great athlete. Um, you know, there, there's guys like that all over the league. Nick Ward is awesome. Lloyd Pandy is back as a uh, new sports player of the year. Could win it back to back years. We have Emily Louie for who's out in Ottawa. I believe he's a Carlton product as well. So you got two Carlton products for the award. Um, but realistically, Xavier Moon is expected to win his like back to back player of the year awards. Yeah. Um, Unless Lindell Wigington does it because he's been also lights out. But I mean, Xavier Moon, I don't think they been, lost more than once. I think it was just the one loss they had this year. I believe so. Ottawa. And I mean, to be fair, it's also um, if he can, he can probably lead yeah they were 13 and one yeah and that with one that one loss, loss coming against ottawa who now they have to play in the semifinals the fact that saskatchewan was so bad that they went one and 13 i was not expecting that i was definitely expecting more of a fight for them after like they this is back-to-back years where they just crapped the bed sorry my apology i think i said i think they play in regina so i yeah, shouldn't I have said so. that earlier but you know i did so Whoops. They um, were just so bad that I forgot they existed. <laughs> so, like, Fraser, like, the fact that you have the sixth seed and the fourth seed going against the first on the second seed, it's going to be interesting. But I think looking at Xavier Moon shouldn't be in the league next year, in my opinion. No, he, he's he got <laughs> like, it. Like, I would think that he would get at least a G League spot. Like, if, if the Raptors aren't seeing what this guy is doing right now. They're blind. Yeah. Like, like, sure, the competition he's playing against isn't G League level. Sure. But do we really not think that he can't be an effective player at the G he's League level? He's in the G League, though. That's right. the thing. Is that, like, I, I would be surprised to see him back in Edmonton next year. Like, yeah. and, that, and that's no, no offense to Xavier Moon. I just think he's too good. Yeah, well, it's I mean, it's, it's more of an offense to the league itself. But this is yeah. the point of the CEBL, is to grow Canadian basketball – and graduate their players to the next level. And I mean, to be fair, there is really nothing stopping Xavier move from kind of, like if he signs a, a one-year deal in the G League and their G League ends in like April, he could go back to Edmonton. He could and play the summer. Like there is literally nothing stopping him from going back to the CBO, even if he does sign a G League contract this year. Um, but I. Yeah, he's he's just too, he he's too talented to not get a shot at a higher level. Yeah, is the best way to put it. Hundred percent. But that so that's interesting. That happens on uh, Friday night. Both games are Friday night, so you can watch those uh, CBL Plus or uh, CBC Sports. Their games are at 5 p.m. Mountain Time, so seven and seven and nine thirty Eastern Time for anyone who's interested in watching, because it is in Edmonton. Uh, it would be an upset if Ottawa were to knock off the favorites to win, especially yeah. in Edmonton. Like yes. that and this is who they lost to last year too in in the bubble. They lost to Edmonton. Uh, I believe it was also in the semifinals. Yep. Um, but um, 
yeah, like I said, Ottawa's the only team to beat Edmonton so far this season. I don't think this is going to be a walk in the park for Edmonton. I think Ottawa's a much improved team than they were at the beginning of the season when they were atrocious, quite frankly. They were, they were and so bad. They were they, so frustrating to watch. They lost a bunch of basketball games then. And, I mean, recently they've started winning. And, uh, you know, they're, they're going to Edmonton for a reason. You know, yeah. they knocked off a really good Hamilton team to get there. So uh, they're no pushovers. No, and it should be a close game. And hopefully they, they come back and win. They're hosting – they're the, they're the host for the 2022 CBL championship, so that'll be fun. We'll be Which there. Which we will be at, absolutely. We will be – like ne- like next season, one of us will hopefully be at every CBL game, and, and we'll make sure that we're on top of – Every CBL game in Ottawa because none of us well, are yeah, in Fraser Valley. Well, yeah, 100%. <laughs> like, I mean, in, in the local area. Um, but, yeah, so that, that's been huge. So some more CBL content. I believe the, uh, the Canadian Premier League has k- kicked off. This past weekend? Uh, well, it's been kicked off. They've been playing in a bubble in Winnipeg. But the but second leg of their season kicked yes, off this past weekend. Right? Yes, they're now back in their home stadiums. Ottawa played their home opener in front of, I believe it was 12,000 people, uh, which was a fantastic good. crowd for Ottawa. Granted, tickets were free. Um, yeah, it was whatever you can donate, right? Yeah, I had three tickets. I couldn't go. I had to bail last minute. But, um, you know, it's good to have uh, – soccer back in the city um the cpl i'm still a little bit skeptical of as a whole i think uh i, don't, I haven't really bought in entirely yet um but i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that my local team hasn't felt like a local team you know what i mean like they haven't been in ottawa for more than one game at this point they've been yeah. around for two years and we've never got to watch them play before last weekend which so sucks I think, because of the pandemic yeah i think it, i think it'll come with time um, but, uh, you know, it was great. It was great to see that many people back at TD play stadium. And I believe Hamilton forge also, uh, beat a team from El Salvador. I'm not, I'm not the soccer guy. I'm not the person to talk about this. Um, but, uh, the CPL, I think it's growing nicely and, uh, it's good to have it around. Yeah. I mean, as more people start going to games, and like the fact that they're now back in their home stadiums, their fans are allowed. Uh, that's going to be huge. So yeah, they kicked off. They had the Concacaf League on the twelfth. Concacaf. Concacaf, and they beat them three-one. That was leg one, right? That was the first leg of the. I gotta find out. I I think so. That sounds right to me. Yeah, I think that was their first leg, and they have the second leg coming up like, like next week or something. Yeah. But, hey, Ottawa, yeah, it's coming up on, on the 17th, so tomorrow. Yeah. Maybe so. we'll have to get uh, Eddie back eventually to talk some more CPL with us because, honestly, God, Shane, I know very little about soccer. All I know is that you are uh, you were rooting for England and I was rooting for Italy, and I'm happy and you're not, so <laughs> – yeah, I mean, I, I've tried watching soccer, but this whole one soccer thing makes it extremely hard to really And that's that's part of the issue, right? Like, this is, this is the other big issue with the CPL for me is I can't watch the games. And I'm yeah, sorry, right. but I'm not paying what it costs for a one soccer subscription. Yeah, and I mean, I understand why they did it because – but, like, when you're trying to – especially a new league like CPL, you, you want to get out there. Um, and, this, and that's uh, an uh, issue. Yeah, a fair comparison though is the CEBL. They they came around at roughly the same time. You know, they both kind of spawned out of nothing. 
but the CEBL didn't piss me off by taking away a, a local team and just forcing it to fold. Yeah, you know that, I mean? yeah, that they started off on a rock track. Well, yeah. it wasn't even them. It was uh, wasn't it the U.S. soccer that wouldn't give them. The well, they game? so it was it was Concacaf who wouldn't allow the Fury to play in the American oh, yeah. League when there was a Canadian equivalent. Yeah, so okay. like I know I know the CPL allowed it, but it wasn't them who actually. Like, it's it's a whole complicated story. They killed the Ottawa Fury basically, and uh, that was my Ottawa soccer team. So Atletico has kind of got to win me over at this point. But you know, see the C- cut. <laughs> this <laughs> yes, seriously, dude, a five XL fits like a large. Yeah, What's I know it's point? ridiculous. What's the point? Yeah. I don't want to buy a 10XL. But yeah, like, like I'm fat. I don't need something to remind <laughs> me about it every freaking day. Um, but comparing the CEBL to the CPL, I mean, the CEBL, if I want to watch a game, I log into CEBL Plus and I watch the game for free. Yeah. When it's on CBC, I watch it on CBC. If, you know, there there is good content that you can pay for on, on CEBL Plus. Would I pay it if they charged me $5 a month? I would. I probably would. But the thing with one soccer is it's literally hundreds of dollars. Yeah, isn't it like $70 a month or something? It's, I don't think it's that much. I'm going to have to pull it up right now um, like, to see what it is. Because I remember but, wanting to, to sign up because I wanted to get into to soccer again. And I'm like, why am I paying this much? Yeah, so it's 10 bucks a month or $100 a year, which actually yeah. isn't that bad considering that like – you know. But, you know, it, it's bad for me as, as a casual soccer fan, at best. That's how I describe myself. I don't I don't care enough to pay $100 a year. Yeah, you know I mean, mean if, you're not a, if you're not huge into soccer, like, it's kind of the unfortunate part. Like, 10 bucks a month if you're huge into soccer, that's nothing. Mm-hmm. That's like a – and, I mean, you can also look at it as like, okay, well, it's $10 a month for me to watch soccer. That's, like, basically a lunch at McDonald's. So, like – I can like it's actually not that bad, considering what else I've seen for other places. But still, if you're a casual soccer fan, you're not going to pay monthly for for this. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you can make the comparison to NHL.com stuff like that, but I don't have to pay a hundred dollars a year to watch NHL games. If I don't want to, I can turn on the TV, flip it to channel 30 on Rogers and TSN showing, I don't know, the, the Leafs and the Canadians, you know, I don't have a great selection of what I want to watch always, but I can watch hockey, you know, one soccer is just right now. The C the CPL doesn't mean much to me. You know, I don't think there's social media, presence is very good at all they from what i've seen even one soccer isn't great quality streaming and if i'm spending a hundred dollars i kind of expect a lot better um you know it's it's overall it's like it almost feels like they are intentionally building a small fan base which doesn't make any sense yeah and like you need the casuals to survive and you know, I, I have to ask the question of if that game in Ottawa last weekend wasn't pay what you can, come for free, how many people would have actually been there? Probably not a lot. 
And I think yeah, that's the case, right? We, we, we saw with the Fury where the crowds were routinely around 2,000, which isn't terrible. Like you can, you know, there, there's people there, but it's not what you expect. It's not what you need, not what you want. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair though, like soccer and auto is growing, but it's not promoted. And I think yeah. that's the issue is that like it's not promoted. I mean, having and, – and this is the one thing I think people forget is like having games in the summer is one of the hardest things you can do as a sports team because people are traveling. People have like have things planned. So if you have a, a game in the afternoon at like 1 o'clock, well, you're, you may not get the biggest crowd because people want to go out and do other things during the summer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the one thing that the Fury kind of, when you have so many home games, it makes it harder to sell out every single one of them or sell a lot to every single one of them. This isn't the Red Blacks where you have seven home games or nine home games a year. If you're lucky, you only usually have eight or nine. Yeah, you have nine if you're, you have nine regular home games. You're, you're 10 if you're good enough. You'll have 10. Plus your preseason game, which normally gets tossed in for free in any package. Yeah. So, you know, one game a week versus having two or three to choose from is a little different, which is why I think, you know, hopefully maybe being back in Ottawa, the Atletico can do a lot more because, I mean, it was kind of hard when they're not in Ottawa. If they're in Ottawa, maybe we'll see better crowds. I I think this compares a lot, too, to um, the CHL in a way. Because, you know, you can watch the CHL on on cable uh, on your local Rogers station. I think it is. I think that might actually be done now. It, it's done now because they're they're now they're now with Bell. They're, they're yeah, they're with TSN and they're also part of CBC. And expect yeah. a lot of what you saw with the CHL or the CBL, where weekly like games are are streamed onto the C, onto sport CBC Sports. Which means I'm gonna probably have to buy the OHL package, which. You know, for me, isn't a big deal because the 67s and the OHL in general is a thing that I'm very passionate about. It's a thing that I do for, for writing. I write about it all the time, so I don't have a choice. But, you know, I think the, CH, the, the CHL has the option to do that because they've pre, they've been around forever. Yep. For a very long time, these leagues have been around. They've built their fan bases. They've built their supporters, their followers there are people who are willing to spend the money on these games to go to them, to watch them, whatever the CPL, I think sometimes forgets that it's a new league. And I think that's something that soccer does all the time in a way that they almost like to have the mindset of soccer is so old. People love us. We can't do anything wrong. And maybe that's true for the premier league or for Syria in Italy or, you know, leagues that have been around for a while. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I see a lot of that with Atletico Ottawa. Like they almost take the yeah, we're Atletico Madrid. We can do whatever we want. You know, I, I just I, there's a lot of times where I don't feel like the league is trying to create new fans in a way. You know what I mean? Like the OHL to me is a down to earth league that is trying to get families to come to games. Yeah. Right. That's not how I feel with the CPL at all. I feel like the CPL is like we want the people to come that are going to burn the flares or whatever, and and just be lunatics the entire game. That's what I hate yeah. about soccer. Yeah, I know that's fair. And I mean, like if you don't have the reputation like reputation as a as a league, like the Premier League or the Champions League or or the Liga or anything like that, um, 
it makes it hard. And, and you can't act like one of those old boys when you're not an old boy, yeah. which which the CPL isn't. They're not an old boy. The the CEPL isn't an old boy, and they don't act like it. Uh, but it's going to be very interesting to see what happens over the next couple of years with that league. It could easily take off or it could fold. And, I, and at this point in time, it's kind of 50-50. I, I think the league as a whole is going to be okay in certain markets. Um, but I think there's also certain markets where – I don't know. And I think Ottawa, for me, slides into that market right now um, because they've only had one home game. Yeah, we're going mean, to see how this goes afterwards. I think 12,000 people is fantastic for your, your first home game, but we got to remember the factors that played into that being sold out. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, before we go, because we're at the hour mark, we'll, we'll wrap it up with some more CFL talk. Um, we have Thursday, 10 p.m. start. I hate these. I'm so I am so I done mean, with all these games being out west right now. I mean, yes, but I mean to be fair, it kind of sucks for East. But at the same time, if you're a BC fan and you're living in BC and you work until five o'clock and your game is at a four o'clock start time, and you expect people to go to these games, it's kind of unfair to them. So it's well, I mean, uh, it, I live on well, the East Coast though. Yeah, well, I mean, that's like it's more about the the local team, uh, not the people. No, I know. I, I just when I like I it um, sucks. I've like been it, staying up to finish those game recaps as well. By the way, which we beat TSN, we beat teams, and we beat the <laughs> CFL this time. We beat Three Down Nation. Ours was first. Just saying. Um, um, but so we have the Thursday game at 8, 10 p.m. Eastern. It's Edmonton versus BC. Who knows who's going to start for, for BC at this point? Um, whoever they list as their starting quarterback is actually their backup quarterback from here on out. I, I'm, yeah. I'm done with like, that. Like, like, we'll just we'll, – we'll figure out who's starting when they actually hit the field, basically. We're going to make our pick when we find out who's starting. How about that? Yeah. Uh, but we have Edmonton, who's coming 0-2, versus the 1-1 Lions. This is a huge game for Edmonton. Yes. Uh, this is a bigger game for Edmonton. Than, than BC. They need to win this game. Uh, if they drop to 0-3, heading into a week four matchup against Toronto, and then Calgary are their next two games, and they they play back, Calgary back-to-back. They don't get their bye week till week eight. That's yeah. their bye week. So they have, they, they have their first seven weeks. You're dropping at 0-3 with two games against Calgary, um, a game against Toronto and you're in a game against Winnipeg. If you go 0 and 3, there is a good chance you go 0 and 7. Yeah. And yeah, we talked a little bit about uh, Trevor Harris and that offense a little bit earlier in the show. Uh, so we don't need to dive back into that, but you know, they got, um, they have problems. They, they got to sort them out and whether they can do that or not, I think is yet to be seen. We're going to find out very soon. Um, because BC is a good football team. And, you know, this is Edmonton's first away game, too. I think they might struggle a little bit more away from home than they have at home. So yeah, this is BC's first home game, isn't it? Yep. And that BC defense is starting to look really good, too. Yeah, and their offense is finally starting to get together with their, their weapons, which they have quite a bit of. So it's not like they're in a, in a boat that stops them from being productively better. But it's going to be interesting, and and it has major impacts because the Friday game is Montreal-Calgary. Calgary drops to 0-3 because they're playing Montreal. A good chance that Canadian quarterback Michael O'Connor, Ottawa native, starts. 
starting against Montreal is not a team you want to start against no. as your first CFL start. If they drop to 0-3, Edmonton's 0-3, that week five game between the two is very huge because Calgary has Winnipeg in week four. You're probably going to start O'Connor in that game as well. Edmonton against Toronto. If these two teams enter week five at 0-4, people are going to lose their absolute mind. Let let me say this too, Shane. Um, When you start to think about the playoff picture, I mean, we're we're 12 games out from that right now. Uh, 13 for some teams. (laughs) You start to think about what this looks like. We're in a situation where it is just as likely that we have an east to west crossover as we have a west to east crossover. I don't think we're going to have a crossover this year. I think the three best teams. Or, yeah, no, the yeah, it's only yeah, it's the three best teams make it. Like I think it, it's literally going to be the three in the east versus the three in the west. Could be. I I think there's a good chance that it's Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, BC, and then. I'm going to go on the limb, and I'm going to say that Ottawa beats Hamilton for that third seed. And we're going to see Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa in the playoffs. Could be. Could be. Uh, But as Derek said, Ottawa doesn't play Winnipeg. Yes, that that is. That's huge. Yeah. And Hamilton plays them once more. Yeah. Now, the issue is Ottawa plays Montreal four times. That's fine. Hamilton and Toronto play each other four times. Yeah. Montreal might genuinely be the best team in the league. Um, In terms of, like, I think offensively, they're just on a different level from everybody else in the league right now. Um, But again, it's going to be a wait and see. I think, as I mean, we're so early in the season, it's hard to make playoff predictions. But um, yeah, yeah, I I don't know. That Hamilton is a disaster. Does Montreal not play Winnipeg either? They do. Week 14. Uh, week 14 and week 15. They play each other back-to-back weeks. Yeah. Um, and those if, those are late-season games, too, so those could be for Yeah, so if Ottawa, if Ottawa is in that bubble, like they just need to stay in that in the race, that could change dra- like how the league shapes up drastically in week 14 and week 15. Yeah. Because those are literally the last two we- two out of the last three weeks, and Ottawa plays Montreal the final week of the season. Yeah. So Montreal goes, like, this, the playoff race is going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Um, Toronto, Winnipeg again this week. I have a feeling that uh, Nick Arbuckle is going to start that game. Probably. Even, though, like, I don't know. I, I I, think Arbuckle's got a lot of potential, but honestly, right now at this junction, uh, I don't necessarily think that he's a better quarterback than McLeod Bethel-Thompson. I think there's still some way for him to go. And I think – you know, when, when they pulled MBT, I don't think it got much better because their issue isn't the quarterback. It's the no. offensive line. Their offensive line and their lack of movement on the line. Yeah. So, yeah, and then Ottawa, Saskatchewan, who I, I think that is an interesting game, not because I think that it will be close necessarily, but I think that this okay. is a game where – no, I, I think Saskatchewan's going to win that game probably. I think that if there's going to be an upset, this is it. Like if you look at who who the favorites are this week, Ottawa is the upset over Saskatchewan, and, and if Nichols is healthy, Nichols is good. Which he has, you know, it, it's weird because all through practice in week one, I thought he looked okay. I didn't think he looked 
anywhere near as bad as he did when he got into the game action. And then the game happened. He looked horrible. He looked like his shoulder was being ripped off of his body, basically. Um, and then he came back and practiced the next week, and I thought he wouldn't throw a football, and he looked fine. He was throwing. He, he even, you know, he sat out the deep ball drills, but he threw some deep balls, and they looked good. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I wonder what his health looks like into this week. We're going to find out tomorrow. They're back on the field. Or, sorry, not uh, – yes, tomorrow. It is Monday today. Yeah, so yeah. they are back on the field tomorrow. So we'll find out a little bit about that then. Um, but, yeah, I think it's going to be another fun week of CFL action. I'm excited that tomorrow is Tuesday, and that means we only have two more nights of no football before football's back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's going to be an interesting week. But, I mean, if you're looking for an upset, that that's the one to watch, Ottawa versus Saskatchewan. This is like the the defense looked mediocre in week one for Saskatchewan. That that secondary didn't look good. If that O line can hold up that front seven, especially that D line, who knows? Where this team Ottawa could could surprise a lot of people. So I might empty my bank account on Montreal this week, though. Don't they're the favorite? They're yeah, I know. Not, not even worth it. Yeah. Right now, on I know we're sponsored by Bodog, so this is gonna sound really bad. I don't think the Bo, I don't think Bodog puts their odds out until the, closer like the to the day game after. anyway. They, yeah. I think they do it twelve hours in advance. Uh, but according to um, Bet Regal, the official partner of the CFL, so we're gonna go off of it for now. Um, they're plus one thirty three or one thirty two favorites to win uh, against Montreal or against. Sounds um, like a pretty good Calgary. bet right now, actually. <laughs> Not at all. It's only thirty-two dollars per hundred. That's I fine. Mean, I mean, so I mean, yeah, you're getting if you put a hundred, you're getting an extra thirty. I'll empty my bank account there. Um, <laughs> I think Ottawa is like minus four hundred. Jesus. Um, uh, underdogs against Saskatchewan right now. I don't um, know. Maybe a bet on the spread that one. BC is the favorite. Montreal's the favorite. Winnipeg's the favorite. And Saskatchewan's did, the favorite this week. Did you see the game between, I think it was the Saskatchewan-Hamilton game, when we put our picks in and I did the graphic, Saskatchewan was at an even, but the spread was one point. Yeah. It's crazy. I should have taken Saskatchewan to cover. But they didn't. Oh, no, was, Hamilton, was, was Saskatchewan not the favorite in that game? I, I can't remember. I thought Hamilton was, which is why I picked them. Whatever. I should have taken Saskatchewan to cover the spread regardless. Yeah. Um, but before we go, like, going through, um, yeah, well, no, Ottawa's plus 349, and Saskatchewan's minus 443 to uh, favorites. Toronto's 20, uh is plus uh, oh Montreal's no Montreal's the uh, the underdog. What Montreal's right now? Montreal's the underdog at uh, plus one thirty two. And make that bet. Make that bet now. One fifty six. Make that bet now. Uh, favorites. Uh, Toronto's plus twelve two twelve uh, underdogs. Uh, Winnipeg's two fifty six. Uh, my my best bet would be to do the parlay right now. Uh, I would parlay the BC Montreal and Winnipeg. Uh, put fifty dollars down. That that would be my bet if uh, if I was putting money down. If you're just looking for actual uh, winners, you put a fifty dollar bet uh, down on a parlay. Uh, you're looking at about one hundred ninety seven twelve coming back at you. 
So you're looking at about $147. Let's just check to see what, how you did in your picks last week. Uh, one in three. Hmm. <laughs> uh, you were also one in three in week one. So Yeah, but it's fine because I went three and one last week. So yeah. I'm clearly on the up and up now, okay? Uh-huh, sure. Um, and then, you know, the the spread. Who The spread is 10.5 right now for, for Saskatchewan. The over-under is 44.5. I would take the yeah. over. I would take the under on Saskatchewan, and I would take them not and covering the spread. I would take Ottawa covering the spread. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that game's – I'm going to wait to see what happens in practice good. this week, to be that, honest. That, Ottawa's defense is way too good. If they can sustain some drives, it's a completely different ball game. Yeah, well, that's the question of if. I mean, we haven't seen them do that yet, so no. we'll see but if I they can. They, but they, they should be able to. Um, but if you're a betting man, I would definitely put make a parlay on the on three of the first four and, and have Winnipeg, Montreal, and, and BC as the favorites to win. Yeah. So, but with that being said, guys, thank you all for tuning in. You can catch us back here next Monday at 7:30 uh, p.m. as always till probably 8:45 like tonight. Uh, thank you all for watching on Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. We'll be all our streams will be live on Twitch. They'll be posted up to YouTube on Tuesday uh, instead of being streamed live onto YouTube um, starting September 8th. So in about uh, three or so weeks, we will be going live. We'll be running a uh, NFL Madden 22 game of the week. We'll post out the four options. You get to vote on them and whichever wins the vote. We'll play the full game, full-time 15-minute quarters live broadcast on Twitch. Um and you guys can uh, enjoy some Madden football. We'll be streaming some more stuff throughout the week, posting some more content. Uh, Don't make me watch Tom Brady on a freaking video game, too. I'm tired of watching Tom Brady. <laughs> I mean, my vote is the Steelers-Bills game. Of, yes, of mine too. Of the week because that should like that, that should be a fun game on the Sunday at 1 o'clock. I'm going to be watching it. I'll be there, week. hopefully. You're going to be in Buffalo for week one? Well, assuming we can get there. Assuming the borders hopefully. open up. Um, hopefully, but... So we'll be doing that on Wednesdays. We'll probably have some stuff later in the week for you. Uh, but remember, follow myself, Shane underscore Ryan, uh, Rye 13, Frankie, Frankie underscore Benvo, and us at 13th Man Sports, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that fun stuff. Uh, customize sports, head on over there for 13th, uh, 13% off your order, and head on to Bodog to place your bets. Have a good one, guys, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>